Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. Becoming a mum is something that shifts our identity and we can often find ourselves trying to mother in a way that our culture and the media tells us we should. But my guest today says that we should all try to do motherhood our own way, trusting our instincts and leaning into what we think we should do, not what we're being told to do by others. Holly DeCruz is a mum of two and a hugely successful hypnobirthing coach with clients including Fern Cotton, Izzy Judd and Giovanna and Tom Fletcher. Holly is also the creator of the award-winning Yes Mum Positive Affirmation Cards and the author of two books, Your Baby, Your Birth and Motherhood, Your Way. Her latest venture, Here Here, is a platform to educate and support mums as they find their feet in this new world. Holly is filled with wise words on motherhood, so I am sure that you will get a lot out of listening to our chat. Holly, welcome. It is so lovely to have you join me today. How has today been for you so far? Um, hi, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. Um, well, it's only it's only nine thirty, so I'm um, so so far so good. Normally, <laughs> if you'd asked me at three o'clock, I'd, I'd probably be more dramatic. But um, so far, so good. Good, good. Yeah, I'm you all know, right. Yes. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right. I'm okay. Um, yeah, I mean, literally ten minutes ago, I was like stacking the dishwasher and like running around. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, come on, come on, let's focus. Get get your laptop. Get ready for you know doing yeah. a podcast. <laughs> but it is that it's that, that juggle, isn't I know. it? And you always think you've got more time than you have. Yes, yeah, always. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> One minute it's eight and then it's 9.15. Oh, goodness, <laughs> yes. Um, but it's all good, it's all good. Um, now, listen, there are a few people on social media who I think are just so wise when it comes to motherhood. And generally speaking, I'll always stop scrolling to read what they've got to say. And mm. you are one of those people. Oh, that's a nice thing to say. <laughs> I just feel like what you put out there is is always so thoughtful. It's not a case of, you know oh, I'm just going to whack this up, you know, for engagement. Yeah. Um, I really feel like you're you're here to, you know, to be helpful and to contribute something valuable to the conversation. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, def- I post a lot less than I used to. I used to post every day, sometimes twice. Now I might post twice a week, but I'd rather say something that is valuable than just add to the noise. I think Instagram is a noisy place at the best of times. Um 
And so I've, it's kind of been a bit of a conscious decision to distribute my energy a bit more mindfully I guess I think that is such a good call and like yeah you're right it's such a noisy place and sometimes if you're feeling a little bit Mm. stressed or you know you know a bit kind of feeling a bit funny about life in some way going on to Instagram can just make you feel 10 times worse it just feels like yeah there's just so many people just shouting and yeah saying you know like feel this think this yeah laugh at why this. haven't you said anything about this you're like ah yes oh my goodness yeah. it, it just feels a little bit intense sometimes doesn't it it does it kind of feels I always think it feels like a another like another child needing something from you <laughs> it's a bit like that someone like pulling on your leg yeah like, Look, look. That's so true. That, and, and, you know, most of us don't need an extra child. Like, you know, we're no. <laughs> we're busy enough with the, the children that we have already. Yeah. Um, now, look, I want to talk to you about um, how motherhood changes us, you know, how it shifts us. It feels like it rocks us. It kind of mm. moves us off our axis. And we have to either find our way back to where we were before or work out what this new reality is all about. You know, it's 11 years since I became a mum, similar time for you. Yeah, and I'm still reeling from it. Yeah, it's it's a spin out, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I don't, I think part of the kind of conflict there is that we are perhaps led to believe we will find our way back. And I don't think you do find your way back. I think you find your way somewhere new. Yeah. And I think if we spend There's too much... There's a lot much... of talk, isn't there, around, yeah. you know, getting back into your pre-pregnancy genes. And... Yeah, but I think the mentality is the same. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, thinking about, you know, oh, the nights out I used to have exactly, pre-children. Yeah. I want to get back to that feeling. Yeah. And I don't think you ever do. No. Because there's a freedom that you have before kids that you just don't have when you have kids. And I don't mean freedom as a as something negatively that you're losing. I think it's just a different type of consciousness. You know, before you have kids, you really are focusing on yourself and you don't have to really think about anyone else's needs. You know, you naturally do because there are people you care about, but it's not the same as having dependents that you you don't have a choice as to whether to consider them or not. Um, and that's that can be really heavy sometimes, I think. I think we underestimate the that kind of underlying weight of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I look back to what I, you know, pre-children, pre-mother Alison, mm. I really was quite a selfish person. And I don't mean that in yeah. a kind of beating myself up yeah. way, but just, you know, I went about my life. I went to work every that's day. that's normal. <laughs> yeah, I came back. I just, you know, thought about what was almost like immediately around me, like my close friends. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of went through life almost a little bit blinkered to the wider world and what it might be like to really be focusing on other people other than myself yeah I really relate to that I really relate to that it's like sometimes if you have um you know friends that don't have kids who say oh do you do you want to go out tomorrow night and you're like what (laughs) (laughs) you can't ask me if I want to go out tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I need like serious planning time for this. Yeah, um, so you but you're just in, you're just in a different. Yeah, you are just in a different headspace because your life is very different, <laughs> and and the expectations on you are different. The the things you have to give your output to are different. 
you know, it becomes so much more divided when you become a parent, I think. Definitely. How did you kind of navigate that? Because when you had your eldest, am I right in thinking you weren't yet a hypnobirthing teacher? You probably didn't know no. that much about the whole, you know, psychology of motherhood and birth. And- I didn't know anything, Alison. I didn't know anything. Mm. I, I, It was a total, you know, it was totally unplanned. I was 24 or 25 um, none of my friends had kids. I was the first of my friends to have children. It was wild. <laughs> if I look back now, I think, God, you were so naive, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, but I just had no idea what to expect. I had no frame of reference for what being a mother was other than obviously my own childhood, but that's, it's not the same as becoming a parent yourself. No, it really isn't. Um, and so like partly, I think there's then less, um, I don't want to say dread because that sounds really negative, but like anticipation because you just focus on the excitement, I think. Um, but I remember when Oscar arrived and just thinking, what do, what do I do now? Like, who's got the answers? Where do I go for, to find out how to do this? I was so far away from my intuition and my instinct because everything up until that point. Yeah. I just kind of followed instructions and followed rules and done what I thought I should do. And suddenly I didn't know where to go for that. It was bewildering, I think. Yeah, bewildering is such a good word to, to, you know, to describe it. But when you think about, you know, us growing up and becoming adults and learning how to live in this world, even if it's a case of passing your driving test or living, you know, in a flat by yourself or with friends for the first time and learning how to boil an egg, you know, you are following instructions. Someone is there saying to you, this is how you do it. It's functional. Mm. And then you become a mum and that's not really, I mean, of course there were books out there, there are manuals, there are people telling you this is how you should do it. You know, back when when we first became mums, it was kind of like Gina Ford was like the one that people were like, oh, you you know, you should buy (laughs) this book. I know, it really helps. And I was like, no, not for me. (laughs) Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? And, And actually it's one of those, it is, but I don't think parenting is functional. I think parenting is felt. And I think if we try and make it, uh, you know, um, functional or, or, or something where we can, it's like a tick box exercise. Like if I do that, then it will be fine. We're actually setting ourselves up for just a really unfulfilling experience because no, your child is completely unique you as a parent are completely unique. You have your own unique bond. Um, and I think when we try to kind of package that into what other people are doing, it's when we have all of that, the angst from comparison or from, um, you know, feeling like you're not good enough or feeling like your baby's not good enough. Um, by good, I mean, you know, are they sleeping? Yes. <laughs> um, all of those narratives that come into play that make us doubt our innate maternal wisdom which I do believe we all have, but I think we're just taken far away from. Oh, that's so true. Like we, we enter motherhood layered with lots of views and opinions mm. from other people and the culture that we live in, don't we? Totally. So how do we strip all of that back and try and tap into our own intuition? I think it's being prepared to get it wrong. I think being prepared to experiment. Like I do think motherhood is a lot of trial and error. <laughs> I think what's working for someone else isn't going to necessarily work for you because your life, your baby, you are different. 
Um, and I think it's a, a, a big element of surrender, actually, of saying, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing, but what's important to me? Is it important to me for, to respond to my baby's needs? Is that more important than ABC? Like, and, and almost prioritizing what feels important to you and leaning into those things. But what comes with that is having to let go of stuff. You know, with, when I had Oscar 11 years ago, I didn't want to let go of anything. I really was clinging to my old life dearly because I was terrified of, of what ha- would happen if I let it go. When I had Cosmo eight years later, I let pretty much everything else go because I knew that this time needed me and that the world would still be there. I think you have this fear that you're going to really miss out and you're going to fall off something first time round. And then second time you have that bit of perspective that, oh, nothing's really changed. I can just go back. I can get back on. (laughs) But at the moment, this is where I'm needed. Yeah. And how did that shift in attitude alter your experiences? Um, Hugely. Oh, I I don't really remember any of Oscar as a baby. I really don't remember it very well. I think I was in fight or flight mode a lot of the time. I think I was running off adrenaline a lot of the time. I was always, I spent way more time looking at what other people were doing than feeling what I was doing. And I think that has caused a bit of a blackout, a bit of a, um, a disconnect from that time. Whereas with Cosmo, I just remember every minute of sitting in bed with him, of smelling him, of feeding him. I just have such vivid memories of that, of those early days. Um, and I feel like I knew him better from the beginning because I was, I gave myself to that time and I feel like it made what followed easier. It was a lot. I was really overwhelmed when I had Oscar. I was, I found it really overwhelming and scary and disorientating, um, I found it a lot. Yeah, I think I think that a lot of people listening will, will be able to, you know, relate to mm. that. Um, and you've looked at how other cultures and how people around the world view and deal with motherhood, mm. haven't mm. you? Um, what did you find in that kind of, you know, exploration? Yeah, I mean, like when I was writing my second book, well, actually the first book as well, I mean, it stems from how other cultures um, especially in less developed parts of the world, when you think of how they look at pregnancy and birth and, and parenting, it is just so much less managed, more communal, more nurturing. Um, and essentially there's just much less noise from other people. There's much le- less media influence. I think the media is hugely damaging to pregnancy, birth and parenting. Um, not to say it doesn't have its kind of benefits, but on the whole, I think it's damaging. What kind of messages are, are being broadcast that you find particularly damaging? Just this idea that you're meant to be doing everything. This idea that it's possible to do it all. I don't think you can. I think it's, I think it is a really damaging narrative to think you can have it all. I just don't think you can. I do think you have to choose. Um, and I think if you, carry on like you think you can, someone's going to lose out. (laughs) There's going to be collateral damage in that. And I think often the problems in society that we see are the collateral damage of, of that, of that choice to carry on regardless. 
Do you think that it's possible to have it all but at different times? Yeah, I think you can I think you can do anything you want, but I don't think you can do everything at the same time. Mm. It's like you were saying, you 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 kind of gave yourself over to, you know, when you had Cosmo, you decided, right, this is my all right now. I'm gonna let everything kind of fall to the wayside. Yeah. But then it will still be there for me when I'm when I'm ready to come back to it. Totally. Yeah, like he's he's just turned three. And now I'm going out with friends again and, you know, doing more work. But when, like the first year, I don't think I went out with, I don't think I went out for dinner or saw my friends really that first year in like socially, you know, like I saw them in the day, especially if they had babies, but I didn't put that pressure on, I need to get dressed up. I need to go out. And I know for some people that makes them feel good. And I'm not suggesting you shouldn't do that if it's what you want to do. But for me, that was an effort that I didn't have the capacity for. So for me, it was, okay, that is going to take energy, headspace, capacity away from where personally I want to be putting it now. It's boundaries, isn't it? I mean, culturally, we're just so crap at boundaries. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I find it so depressing how terrible we are at um, being able to put ourselves first and then I think we find it really difficult to put our children first as well because our children are part of us and I think they they naturally come into that inability to prioritize ourselves I think also as well sometimes I where I struggle is whether to prioritize me or my children mm. so like I there, there will be sometimes situations where there's a conflict and I feel like yeah my child needs me to do x y and z and I just don't feel like I've got the energy reserves to do that or the mental capacity to do that and that's quite a tricky one because yeah it is quite often your, your instinct is to do what your child needs and then it just leaves you spent and it just leaves you in a terrible place yeah and I think I do think that conflict is a is quite a natural part of motherhood of parenting I think we have to we almost have to become um accepting of that being there sometimes but it's hard it's really hard and I think you you just have to focus on the times where you are able to manage it a bit better where you are able to think you know what I need to do this for myself so that I can show up for my kid in the way I want to like that is a gift to your child um and it's being able to recognize what those things are I think like I know if I haven't slept I'm just not a very nice person. <laughs> I'm really short-tempered. My patience just falls out the window. So for me, going to bed earlier is like an investment in the mother I want to be. And if that means I can't go out until midnight, I, I just can't go out until midnight right now <laughs> because it's going to have too much of a knock-on effect. So I think it's just being able to recognise those things and, you know, I've got re some really lovely friends where I'm able to say, can we go out for lunch or can we go out for an early dinner while, you know, someone else is doing bedtime or whatever? Because that's what that's what's going to work for me. Yeah, I had. Um, um, and I've if they say no, that's OK. Well, exactly. Exactly. I've got a really lovely crowd of um, school mum friends and they, they basically know that I, I like to be in bed by 9 p.m. Oh, perfect. And um, <laughs> I, they, they, I invited them all round a few weeks ago and I was like, you can come round, but, you know, at a certain time, I'm going to be ringing a bell for last orders yeah. and you've all got to yeah. leave. And I was just really blatant <laughs> yeah. about it. I was yeah. because to me, like my, my worst fear is them coming round and kind of still hanging around by like midnight. Yeah. 
night and I'm just yeah. like no we've had our like, fun we've had a few drinks go you go home. and change into your pajamas you're like so night guys <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah I think that's um yeah and actually that's a sign of real trust and friendship and love and intimacy isn't it where people just understand your boundaries and they don't take mm. them personally like my I went out last week for dinner with my kind of best group of best girlfriends I do not share food okay I hate sharing food <laughs> I just want my own food in front of me and knowing what I've got on my plate um and they love sharing food like tapas is their idea of heaven but they know that I'm, I'm not willing to do that <laughs> so we went to this sharing restaurant and I was like oh god and they're like don't worry we're all gonna share and you can get your own <laughs> like we're okay with that I was like okay fine I'm happy that's so um, good and that you know the you can be kind of soft and and gentle with each other's imperfections can't you or you know needs and I think that's that's really valuable. Yeah, that's true friendship, isn't it? Um, now, you mentioned earlier that you feel like there's um, almost like we, we don't we don't recognise the value of motherhood. Um, yeah. And, you know, someone, for so many of us find that we're lacking in confidence and we, you know, we say, I'm just a mum oh. and we don't recognise that huge contribution and job that we're doing raising a child. How can we shift our mindsets so that we know yeah. our worth as a, as a mum I think I don't think there's a an instant remedy for it I think it is ongoing reflections about the value of your work like noticing when something has had an impact on your child noticing when you know it could be something really simple where like you're out on a walk like you know sometimes if I take Cosmo to the park my instant focus is we need to get to the park but actually, he he went through a phase where he was very interested in snails and he just wanted to stop at every kind of snail or crevice in the pavement and check if there were snails. <laughs> and I was thinking, come on, let's let's just go because we're not going to get to the park otherwise. And then I kind of stopped myself and thought, he doesn't care about going to the park. He's getting something really valuable out of looking in the crack in the pavement. Yeah. And so in that moment, I was just like, right, let's forget. If we get to the park, we get to the park. If we don't, we don't. And just being in that moment and he was, he was like showing me the cracks in the pavement and his little face just lit up because I was interested in what he was being interested in. And in that moment, I think it's acknowledging I did the right thing there. I did something really valuable there. And the rest of that afternoon was so easy because he felt heard and seen and like what he wanted was being valued and respected. And then if I'd rushed into the park, it would have been, it would have been carnage. It would have been really detrimental to our day. So I think actually it's about breaking it down just day by day and thinking, how can I lean into my instinct? How can I show up for my child today? And then noticing the kind of positive impact of that. Because often we just ignore our children. Mm. I really do believe that we overlook our ch child's basic needs a lot of the time not through any consciousness really not we're not saying you know I'm going to ignore my child today but just because we're we're sold this idea that there are more important things like getting them dressed in cool clothes or you know taking them to some like the science museum or we 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 kind of think those things are more important than just hearing what they're saying um, and it's no surprise we think that because, you know, that's what 
that's what we see. Um, it's all around us, isn't it? It is all around us, and and people make it look very jazzy and very idyllic and romantic. But we all know, you know, you and I both know, you'll take your kid to something like, I don't know, like a PR event or a museum or, or something. And you've got this smiling picture, but it was probably a bit stressful. I I mean, I, I say no to most things now, unless it's something I know my child will really love. Yeah. You know, with Oscar, I took him to swimming lessons. I took him to karate. I <laughs> took him to so much. I don't do anything with Cosmo. I just mill around. Yeah, they, they, just, well, they just want to be at home with you. Yeah. Yeah. They just want your attention. That's all they want. Totally. They don't care where they are or where you're taking them. They do not care. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's funny though, isn't it? Because it's not just what, you know, what we're seeing on, you know, in the media and, and social media. It's also the way that we were brought up and the kind of, yeah, the ideas that we have in our heads from our own parents of, you know, the proper way of doing things. And yeah, I think that from what you're saying really applies to that as well. Like yesterday, my husband and I were having a conversation. So he's a stay at home dad. So he does the majority of the parenting mm -hmm. and our little ones have got into this habit where they just won't sit at the table and eat. They just want to graze and mill around and, you know, they'll put their plate on the coffee table and take a few bites and then wander off. And he was like, right, for in the new year, we need to get sorted. We need to get them back at the table. And even yeah. if it's putting them in their high chair and them screaming until they realise that that's the way it's meant to be. Yeah. I was like, oh, I really don't think that that's the right thing to do. And I went away and like our our classic relationship thing is he like, he basically can't, you know presents the problem I go away and research it and like look up all these kind of like articles I will send him a few and then we'll discuss it and we'll work out what feels right yeah and I found this article which was basically saying toddlers aren't meant to sit at the table like they're not they're not programmed they're not developed enough to do that yeah. you know grazing is you know what they want to do and you you're just going to be miserable and they're going to be miserable if you force them to sit at the table and eat what you're eating all the time and I was just like it was almost like a relief it was like oh okay yeah. but it's what it's what you're saying to have it's like, something lean confirming in. that feeling yeah but it's like lean into your intuition like my intuition was telling me I don't think that's a good thing to do yeah and what you read just confirmed that <laughs> yes exactly but it is like thinking about what do they need but that's because we have these very 
kind of structured ideas of what a good child is mm. you know and I just think the whole good child thing is a load of crap like I hate this idea that there are good children and bad children there aren't I don't believe that to be true I think there are, pe- are children that are responded to and there are children that aren't responded to and all your child wants is your attention like because that's it's for their survival they absolutely require your love and attention to thrive and if they're not getting that then they become a naughty child and I'm you know you can't see me but I'm saying that in bunny ears because you know that is how their needs manifest it's not because they're bad or they're naughty it's because they're saying you are not getting it right for me (laughs) you're not listening to me I don't feel heard by you and I don't know how to communicate that yeah you know there's a a lovely quote I can't remember who it's by but it's um you know your child isn't giving you a hard time they're having a hard time and I always just keep that in my mind that if okay you know if Cosmo's like losing his stuff about something he's not trying to wind me up but it's very easy for us to center ourselves and think they're just trying to manipulate me they're trying to they're trying to break me three years old of course they're not these are not like psycho masterminds these are toddlers (laughs) i know it sometimes feels like that but they essentially just have very basic needs that they are always trying to communicate and and if we're not showing up, they they get annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> because they don't have any other way of staying alive. No, that's so true. And another quote that I've heard, and I, and I don't know who said this originally, but it was all um, all behavior is communication. Yeah. It's like they're yeah. they're just behaving that way because they're trying to tell you something. So yeah. listen to them. Try and work out what that is that they need. Yeah. It's like the childhood schemas, like the things that they learn in toddlerhood that they're just trying to cement these skills. And so Cosmo is going through a real like throwing. He loves throwing stuff. Yes. Now, throwing stuff, like as a parent, it's like you can't throw that in here. Like it's really dangerous. You're going to break something. And that's immediately where like I go. And then actually like I read a bit more about it. It's like he he's not choosing to be destructive. He's got an, an impulse to throw something. So as a parent, I need to find him a way to throw things safely. So, okay, let's get a basket and some beanbags. Let's throw the the beanbags into the basket. I can see you want to throw. So let's, let's find a safe way to do that rather than always saying, no, you can't do that. And and stopping their will and their wonder, you know, will and wonder in children is vital. Oh, it really is. One of the articles that I found recently for my husband was about throwing things because he was like, they're just throwing things mm. all the time. And I'm just telling them <laughs> off all the time. And I was like, on my Google, on Google. And it's like, horrible, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, and the, the article I found did say, you know, hand them a ball and say, throw this instead. Yeah. Um, which is all great. But we haven't always got balls around. And then, you know, we had the Christmas tree up and there's balls yeah. all over it. And they're, they're like picking <laughs> them up balls. and trying to throw them. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. These balls, not those balls. Ah. Yeah, but that's why, that's why I talk about capacity, right? Because because toddlers are very demanding and they have a lot of needs. Now, in order to say, right, okay, we need a basket of this stuff here. We need um, need to think about that because they're into that. That all takes headspace and energy and capacity. 
And that stuff is going to make a genuine difference to your day-to-day life because it's going to make parenting easier. It's going to make your child happier. It's going to make you happier. Yet we choose not to do that because it doesn't feel that important. Mm. You know, other things feel more important because they're more visible or more tangible. Like, I don't know, going out with your mates or, sh- or showing up on Instagram or doing things that are very visibly um, productive. Whereas actually you thinking, right, I'm going to spend 15 minutes this morning just getting a basket and finding a few soft cushions. That is 15 minutes really well spent. That's so true. <laughs> because you have met a need of your child that then is going to reduce conflict in the rest of your day. Yeah. But that does take time. You know, we always think, oh, well, I don't have time to do that. We don't have a basket. We don't, you know, I've got time to go and get that stuff. You have, but it's it's how we choose what's important. Um, and I, and I do what, like, whenever I talk about this stuff, I worry that people will feel it's, it's judgmental because obviously lots of people are going out to work all day and working, like, it's really hard to fit everything in, which is why I think looking after ourselves and finding small pockets of time where we can just dedicate to what can I do that is going to make parenting easier today? You know, those little things, rather than feeling like you've got to read massive parenting books and get everything right, you're not going to get everything right. No one does. Yeah, that's so true. But just thinking, what's my child, what's my child into at the moment? What is my child doing at the moment that's annoying me? How can I make those little things, how can I create buffers that make those things easier to manage? Very good advice, Holly. I love it. Um, now we've mentioned social media already. Um, and obviously we're both on social media, mm-hmm. but what's your view on how positive a force it can be for new mums? Mm. Well, actually, let, let's broaden that to all mums in general. Um, and how can we foster a good relationship with social media to get the best out of it without that horrible comparison, bad stuff, that bad feeling that you sometimes yeah. get? I think it comes down to us all as individuals. I think we have to be very mindful of how we're feeling when we consume social media. When do I go to social media? Is it when I'm feeling um, robust? Is it when I'm feeling resilient? Is it when I'm feeling fragile? Is it when I'm feeling anxious? Like we all have triggers for social media, I think. Um, you know, and being aware of those will give you a bit more insight into how social media is affecting you. Like if I'm feeling low, does scrolling through Instagram, looking at everyone's fabulous, well put together lives make me feel better? No, it doesn't. <laughs> but could seeing someone just share the reality of those moments help me? Yeah. So it's it's just, you know, when you find yourself on social media, asking yourself, what am I here for? What's going to serve me today? Rather than using it as a um, like a stream of consciousness. I think we spend too much time on it and then it becomes almost something that we regulate with. That's so true. Which I think is just disastrous. Yeah. No, it really is. <laughs> because we need to regulate with ourselves, our partners, our friends, our children, not strangers on the internet. So I think using it like little and often saying, oh, you know, I just want to hear what someone else is saying about this. It will really help me. And then we feel that sense of togetherness, which is great. Yeah. 
but not spending more time on our phones than we are with our family. No, it's it's hard, isn't it? Really I, I, hard. I definitely, you know, hearing you talking earlier about how children just want to, just want your attention. And I'm definitely guilty of, you know, just sending a quick reply, mm-hmm. a message back to somebody. Yeah, me um, too. Or just, you know, checking the train times that I need to check yeah. for later. Yeah, because um, we're trying to cram it in. Is that they're in front of me going, mummy, mummy, yeah. mummy, look at this, look at this, look at this. And I'm just like One ignoring minute. them, trying to, you know, finish what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, or like, you know, so scrolling social media and, you know, they're sitting next to me and actually I could be chatting to them instead of scrolling. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's terrible, really. I think, or, or I th- certainly think it's more prevalent in people who work for themselves or work from home or, you know, I sometimes think if I was out going to, off, to an office every day, I just wouldn't be there. Mm. But we almost trick our children into thinking we're there when we're not. So I think like today recording this, I've come up to the top floor. I'm sat in one of my son's bedrooms because I need him to think I'm out. Yes. <laughs> you know, because other, because it's not fair if I, if they can see me, but I'm not available to yeah. them. They don't understand that. I do exactly the same. I'm, I go upstairs and we have like stair gates on the stairs and you yeah. know, it just means that they can't get to me and forget I'm here. It's a boundary mm. and kids love that. And, and I think that really helps kids feel safe and reassured. And, you know, they like it when things feel clear. Kids really respond to, to feeling safe and knowing where they are. If you're like there, but you're not really paying attention, it's it's really conflicting for them. Yes, because they're like, "Why is mum ignoring me?" Uh. You know, it's and I, you know, often if I'm if Cosmo's eating at the table and I think, right, okay, well, I can just whack out a couple of emails for that, and then he's saying, "Mummy, can you cut this up?" I'm like, "Yeah, in a minute. I'm just doing this. I'm just doing this email." And you're just torn between and the two like, things. Yeah, mummy. No, it's really hard. Yeah, totally. And I just end up feeling rubbish. It's tricky. It's tricky. Um, it's now, really talk hard. Talk to me about Here Here, which is your new business. Um, it's quite, is it different to your previous business, Yes Mum, or is it kind of like a rebrand? It's an, it's an, it's an evolution of. Right. It's, um, it's like the next, it's like the big sister of Yes Mum, I guess. Um, so, so basically I started, I became a hypnobirthing teacher 10 years ago. I've been teaching for 10 years. And then I started doing the affirmation cards, the Yes Mom cards. And so that all happened quite organically. It was never really my intention to start a business in that kind of way. Um, and then what I've kind of realized through the pandemic, especially, is that women we have all, we have like this birth education and antenatal education there is very little for mothers on the other side so true there is very little learning holding sharing you know comfort for new mums and i really felt that when i had oscar there was just like right okay off you go <laughs> um so what i wanted to do was kind of create like take hypnobirthing forward into like a holding space for mums. So there are going to be lots of little courses, like home study courses on things like what is attachment or on the fourth trimester, just little nuggets of information that you can lean on as you go through that parenting journey um, that are going to, it's going to help support you. It's going to help you feel better informed. It's going to give you learning to do in your own time that you're choosing, much like when you're pregnant. Yeah. You know, we don't think about birth education before we're pregnant, do we? Um, even though it should be 
part of the curriculum, in my opinion. Um, so it's, it's designed to just be a continuation of learning. You know, I think we, why do we stop learning? <laughs> it's not something we do up until we're 18 and then we're like, right, I've done all my learning now. But that culturally is how it's set up. Yeah. We should always be learning. You know, I never feel like I'll know enough as a mum. Yeah, that's so true. And you're absolutely right. It does feel like, you know, we, we learn, like, we, you know, we might go to antenatal classes and learn all about, you know, pregnancy and the birth. Yeah. And there's a little bit about, you know, on the, on the other side, but you're then kind of left to your own devices. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, how to change a nap. Yeah, totally. And why do we think, like, the biggest thing that we're ever going to do, like, nothing is more massive than parenting in terms of like how hard it is, how just how different it is from anything you've ever done before. Yet we're all going into it with absolutely no help. (laughs) It's so weird. And then it's like no surprise that we find it so awful. (laughs) Not awful, but bewildering. Yeah. And also, you know, there there was a lot of discussion and talk about, you know, the baby years, the toddler years. But, you know, as you know, having an 11 year old, it doesn't just suddenly stop. You're not just suddenly (laughs) like, oh, well, my child is eight. So I know exactly what I'm doing now. Like I don't need any help or advice. So it carries on, like, right up until, I guess, they're adults, even when they're adults. Like, yeah, we need to be teaching, totally. you know, how to, how to deal with a grown-up adult. Yeah, but we need to normalise and model to our kids the importance of learning. Mm. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I thought my parents knew everything. Yeah. I really did believe my parents knew everything and they weren't wrong about anything. And then that realisation when you become an adult that maybe they didn't, <laughs> I found that really earth-shattering. I really yeah. found that really hard. And I, I want my, I want my kids to see me get it wrong. I want my kids to say, to see me saying, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Yes, which our parents never I don't did. Want them to, I don't want them to put me on this pedestal. No. Yes. Like, don't, don't look at me thinking I know it yeah, all. Exactly. <laughs> I, don't. I don't know what I'm doing. And like, I, I will, I will, I will regularly apologise to my children. Um, just even this morning. So one of my, one of my toddlers was up in the night, and this morning she said to me, "I was crying in the night, um, because Daddy was cross, and that's not really why she was crying. She was, she just mm. woke up." and she was crying yeah but I think my husband did kind of yeah. you know was quite firm with her saying you need to go back to sleep yeah um and when I told him he was like oh my goodness oh that's heartbreaking right I'm going to apologize to her yeah and actually she didn't really pay any attention to the apology she was just like can I have a, a rice cake please like she just wasn't paying any attention <laughs> yeah but it doesn't matter it was still like he recognized that he needed to apologize you know it's important totally I really think apologizing to our kids is of such huge value I think it is so healing I think it is so strengthening to to our relationships with them just to say I got that wrong I'm really sorry I really think it's a very enriching thing we can do as parents definitely definitely to apologize we don't have to we don't have to get it right all the time we don't have to pretend we know what we're doing it's okay to say I I don't know I need to think about it. And a big part of that, you know, learning process is is reflection. And um, I think that the the diary that you have um, launched um, through Here Here is fantastic. Oh, it's a great you. tool for doing that about, you know, just reflecting on what you're wanting, you know, out of that week, what you've done well. Yeah. Um, and just really boosting your confidence as you're doing it. Yeah. And bringing a bit of consciousness to your weeks as well. Because so often, you know, the weeks just go by and we don't even know what we've done or how we feel really do we because everything's just happening so quickly so what I really wanted 
the diary to be was that that kind of chance to just think, okay, what's gone on for me this week? What am I grateful for this week? What has been difficult this week? What do I need to get on top of? What do I need to give myself a bit more credit for? You know, all of those, if we start having those conversations with ourselves regularly, it is going to help us like so much as parents. Um, Holly, it has been so good to chat to you today. Um, Before you go, tell us where we can find you online. Yes. So you can find me, you can find my personal page on Instagram at the yes mum mum. You can find here, here. Um, it's, it's in launch stages at the moment. So, um, you can find us. It's at we are underscore here, here. And that's here, H E R E, and then here, H E A R. Um, it's quite a confusing, confusing brand is. when you're seeing it, you know, <laughs> I know. on a podcast. But the idea here, here. is, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> but the idea is that, that we're here and we hear you. Like, that's the idea of the brand. Yeah. Um, it's like a space and where it's somewhere you'll be heard uh, so it looks better on paper you know <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for having me it's been uh, <laughs> no. Holly thank you so much yeah it's been lovely talking thanks for having me thank you bye bye a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.